You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week, we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. Thank you for tuning in to episode 119. Today's guest shares a wealth of information that was gathered on a 20 plus year journey. You'll hear a perfect mix of advice for small business owners looking to hire their first employee to a large business owner wanting to cut down the time that it takes to hire the best candidate. Get ready to take notes on this one. Hi, Michael. Thank you for joining me today. Good morning, Maria. Happy to be here. So it looks like you have had a very long career in the acquisition space. Can you tell me how this led you to your current venture? Sure. Uh, yeah, I've been in talent acquisition for almost 20 years. And over that time, you know, you build up a certainly education base, you know, you learn about the industry. Well, what, what also happens is you, you build up a network. And I found myself, like a lot of people, at loose ends as a result of COVID. And a company that I had been talking to on and off about a possible board seat reached out to me and said, look, we've got this tool and we'd like some help moving into a um, startup mode and getting this tool in the market. Are you available to take on the role of CEO? And I said, yes. And we moved forward from there. So this was a, this wasn't a, I wasn't out looking for this, this kind of a role. I, I have been in other startups. I, I have my own consulting company, which I started up in in 2002 that is still operating today. And I've worked for a couple of other startups along the way in different roles. They, you know, taking on the leadership role was something new for me and was as, as, you know, part of it was just timing. And I think part of it was too, was over, over the years, what I've done is, is I've moved around within sort of the leadership ranks. I haven't always been operations or sales or something else. So I've done all of those things. I think the only, the only sort of job that I haven't done on a day-to-day basis up until now was to be the head of finance. <laughs> and of course, in a startup, as a CEO, you're, you're the head of just about everything, <laughs> including finance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So when it comes to this new position for you, how mm-hmm. is it that your past experiences brought you to this place? It seems like you're ideally situated for this since you had been in talent acquisition for so long. Sure. I, I think the because I have done a, lot, a number of different jobs, I believe I was positioned to be able to put all of that together. And the, the folks, my co-founders in Resume Civ uh, believe the same thing. I, I, I mentioned in my first answer that, that you know, connections sometimes become a factor. The person reaching out to me, who's one of the senior advisors to the the founders, he and I worked together in 1998 and 1999 and into 2000. And he remembered working with me. We had kept in touch through LinkedIn over time. So that was sort of the connection that brought me in. What I've done over my career is I've taken on different opportunities as they've come up. And so I have developed a broad set of management experiences. I won't pretend that I'm an expert in any particular area, although I think I'm pretty good at, at, at some things more so than, than others. But I've done sales. I've done operations. I've done technology. I've done product management. I've done implementation. You know, all the various and sundry pieces that, that a CEO kind of has to know, particularly in a startup. I suppose you can be a CEO of a large company with a, a vertical expertise, if you will, because you've got the infrastructure to support you. But when you're a startup, you know, I was the first employee. It was me and uh, the other co-founders who make up the board. And so I was having to do everything. And then right. slowly I would bring in people to help out. We've got a total of about 18 people today. Most of those are developers, of course, as as we continue to, to, to grow our application. But it's just, I 
acquired experience across a broad spectrum of operating areas in an organization. And uh, I think that that really helped me make that the the step to having to pull it all together. Yes. Yeah. I think sometimes we take for granted how much we learn along the way in our yeah. careers. You know, it just seems like, you know, I don't know, maybe you don't appreciate it at the moment, how much you're learning. And then you realize apart from everything you're learning, like you mentioned, the connections, I think that really is what makes a huge difference, especially for a startup. It, it absolutely does. Uh, the, the I look at, for example, we've got four particular prospects that we're chasing right now around creating pilots and running a pilot for them. And three of them are, are what you would absolutely characterize as friends and family. They are These are people that one or another of the founders, you know, the, the, a senior person in the organization knows them well, and they're willing to to talk to us and hear the story in a different way than you're just doing, you know, somebody right off the street. In the case of, of the fourth one, somebody happened to see a presentation we did at a, a conference several months ago and liked the idea of what they saw enough, again, to give us a, a moment to be in a conversation. And that moment led to another. And, you know, we're about to start a pilot with them. So critical. Absolutely. At, at, at this juncture, because you know you can't you can't advertise enough when you're when you're an unknown. You can throw a lot of money into advertising, and if you're an unknown, that that advertising is not going to land with anybody. Exactly. <laughs> it just won't. <laughs> right. Well, what do you feel is the biggest struggle uh, when a business owner is looking to hire their first employee? Wow. The biggest. Well, you aside from the fact that you might not have any money to pay them. <laughs> which is something I've had to deal with on, on a couple of occasions. I think probably the, the biggest struggle is most likely what you're, you're looking for is somebody who can do multiple things and not everybody can. You know, some people have been, you know, they're very focused on a particular vertical or they're not comfortable doing multiple things. And so, you know, as I think as a, as a business owner or, you know, somebody starting a business, you really have to be comfortable changing gears, changing, not so much changing directions, but, but changing subject from minute to minute, depending on what the issue is. And it's finding somebody who's like-minded, who can help you out. So for example, the first person that we brought in after me was a chief technology officer. And in that case, we brought in somebody who had some startup experience as well as a, a broad depth in technology. And so he was comfortable with the fact that, that he might be doing product management. He might be doing vendor relationships. He certainly would be managing technology. He might even be helping with sales, right? And that's okay. that's pretty critical when you when you start to bring people on board. Is this something that your service helps? I don't know if I want to say helps people do, but how about I ask this? How do you yeah. serve and what services do you offer? Sure, like who okay. do you serve? I'm sorry, who do you serve? Yeah, absolutely. And what services do you offer? Yeah, so our our technology is is targeted at the recruiting space. In particular, we're at the very front end of the funnel in the evaluation ranking of, of resumes. So the typical customer is going to be somebody who doesn't really doesn't have the tools in place and is struggling with being able to go through all the candidates they're receiving and do that on a consistent basis. Now, that, that that's a pretty broad brush from a market perspective. So it, it could be a small business owner. It could be a small business. It could be a mid-sized business. 
that, that has a technology that doesn't have these features. There are other technologies that have these features, uh, although not, you know, we like to, we like to believe that not every, nobody's really doing it the way we're doing it. At least we haven't run across anybody who's a direct copy of us. There are other people who compete for the mindshare. And so it, the pain that we're solving are people who are spending too much time evaluating their candidates before they get to interviewing them. And, and we solve that by, by speed and by repetition and by convenience in terms of how the application works. Okay. So in your previous example, when you were looking for somebody to hire and you wanted them to have the ability to maybe take on different roles in the beginning, mm -hmm. is your program able to go through candidates at that level? Or is it more or less just making sure that they're looking for a specific position and being hired for that? It, we are absolutely able to look at uh, roles in, at any level in the organization. It's, it's a function of, of what are the skills that you're looking for, and then finding people with those skills, and then, and then doing a final evaluation of whether or not they, they've, they've got the experience to, to match the skills that goes along. So yes, if, if, for example, I was looking for somebody who could be, you know, who could do technology, but also had experience with sales and whatnot, you can make those all criteria of the the matching process and you could identify those people and then then it's a matter of talking to them because you know again particularly i mean if you're really talking about employee number two or employee number three often you're talking about hiring your friends you're not generally looking to hire somebody out of the blue because you usually don't have money to spend so it, it, you know who can you convince to come work for you when you have no money <laughs> right <laughs> so, so there's that, that interesting balance and so the, the cto that i that i spoke to was a a friend of one of our board members and that's how we're able to get him on and then i hired a cfo who was a friend of mine and then i brought in somebody to to be an advisor in the sales group friend of mine and then we brought yeah, so you so you you really that's a large component of of early hiring is you know like-minded people that you know and that's not to say that you couldn't do a job search let's you know let's say you had a, a nice backing for your process you could use our tool to uh, simplify the evaluation absolutely when I did my research, I found that Zencaster was by far the best choice for my podcast. I wanted clear sound, the ability to record HD video, automatic transcripts, and most importantly, I was looking for a platform that was easy to use, not just for me, but also for my guests. I love that there's nothing to download, and with just a click, I can interview business owners worldwide. If you've been putting off making the switch, or maybe you've yet to launch your podcast, believe me, I've done the homework, and I know you'll be happy to join the Zencaster family. I want you to have the same and easy experience in your podcasting journey. Visit zen.ai backslash handmade CEO pod zero and enter promo code handmade CEO zero to get 30% off your first three months. That's zen.ai backslash handmade CEO zero. I'll also have the link for you in the show notes. It's time to share your story. Now back to the show. Okay. It seems like a huge lifesaver to have an intuitive program like this. I can only imagine, you know, especially a, a large company when they're receiving a ton of resumes. That, Absolutely. That just feels like it would be so time consuming. So this sounds incredible. Can you give me a breakdown of cost or an idea yeah. of what the services cost? Sure, sure. So it's the basic tool. If you went on our website today and you signed up, there's a free trial and you go through the free trial and then you could sign up for the application for 25 bucks 
a month. That's you know sort of an individual price, individual user. When we start to talk about a company that's got multiple users, we get into a sort of a, a, a size issue and we've got a, a, a ramp up of, of prices. Also, and this will complicate it a little bit, Maria, we have partnered with a company that has an evaluation tool that looks at human potential. And so in addition to looking at the hard skills, you can look at somebody's soft skills. So if you wanted to have both of us together, there's a, a sort of a bundled price that starts at about $750 a month to have the two of us together for a small company. And then the price goes up depending on how large it is. So the you know basic user, very low entry price. If you're a small business and you wanted to use this, it might be a couple hundred bucks a month. Just again, it just depends on how many users you've got. Okay. And on average, what would you say the match is? Like how many like success stories or do you have an example yeah. of a success story? Yeah. What we find is uh, that we compare very closely to what people are doing when they're doing it manually. And I'll, I'll give you one specific example. We had one of our companies that, that is working with us today. They had done a search before we came in. And so they had about 100 50 candidates looking for a chief revenue officer. And the CEO had spent, along with the HR manager, had spent about two weeks going through these resumes, deciding who to who to interview, and then finally make, doing the interview. They put their resumes into our system, and then they evaluated them based on the same criteria that they'd used when they were doing their manual process. It took them about an hour and a half to put them into our system and, and you know, fine-tune. There's some tweaking you can do. It, the actual time that the system takes to evaluate the resume is seconds or less. It's very, very fast. Anyway, they got their top five from the CIV, and they compared that to the five people they interviewed and the person they hired was number two on our list. And we've, we've seen that repeated several times, uh, particularly in the early betas that we were doing. We were saying to people, you know, please compare us to a search. And this is what keeps people using the system because they are finding the people that they would find otherwise, and they're doing it much more quickly through us. Well, yeah. I mean, I cannot imagine how much time, I mean, two weeks versus one hour. That's yeah, exactly. a lot of, I mean, that's a, that's a huge salary. Usually the people doing the searching, you know, are not at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And particularly when you talk about something at that level where the CEO is directly involved in the resume review, no, I don't like these or send me some more. No, I don't like those. It's a compelling story in the right circumstances. It absolutely. Right, for sure. Well, what actionable tips would you have for someone interested in finding the right candidate for their business? Sure. When I'm looking for somebody, there are, there are a couple things. It particularly, and it, 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 I'll, I'll put this in the context of a small business because that's that's what, what my mode is at the moment. You got to have somebody who has demonstrated some curiosity. They've done more than one thing in their career, maybe more than one industry, because what you need, particularly, you know, there are all kinds of books about startups. And if all those books were all that good, there'd be a lot more successful startups, wouldn't there? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's, I, it, everybody on my board has been involved in a startup, and yet we are having to learn things for the first time because it, the world changes so fast. Three years ago, you could do advertising and you can get customers. Today, the advertising doesn't get customers because we are buried in advertising. Whether it's, right. you know. So anyway, back to your question, which is the tips for finding somebody. Yes. I look for flexibility. I look for curiosity. I look for creativity. Certainly having experience in the same industry is important, but it's not, it's not an absolute requirement because 
I, I think, for example, I have moved into many industries where I didn't have experience because I've done some consulting in my career. The challenge is it's the intangibles because you can easily find, and I say easily in a, on a relative basis, easily find the right skills. You know, somebody who knows technology, somebody who's done finance, somebody who's managed product, somebody who's done sales. You can find people with those kind of skill sets, but it's it's the, the intangibles that, that there really aren't systems to help you with the intangibles. That comes from, you know, the interview, the references and so forth. Okay. That makes so much sense. I do agree with that. I feel like there's those individuals who it doesn't, it seems like their drive seems to be more important than their skill because the skill could be taught usually. It's yes. that drive, that motivation, the desire to learn and be really good at it that I think makes a candidate way better, one candidate way better than the other. Absolutely. And again, in the area of small startups, right? Not small businesses necessarily, but certainly of startups, there is one other factor, which is risk taker. We have, we've had fairly high turnover because, well, for one thing, we, ha- we aren't paying people. Well, that's not not sure we are paying a couple of people, but that's only been fairly recent. And and so early on, there's not only risk taking, but there's ability to sustain because I could I could be talking to somebody and say, well, we think in six months we'll be able to pay you, and they could you know sort of look at their bank account and say, well, I could last for six months because you know I get a piece of the company and this and that and the other thing. That all sounds really great. Six months comes along and suddenly you know we don't have the money. You know we can't. Right. You know, our, you know, our, our, we're not where we thought we were going to be. You know, and then did they walk out the door? And what what we found with a couple of people was, in retrospect, it's because it's hard to tell this right up front. But they had one foot out the door. They were they were in with one foot, and that other foot was out the door because they were looking for the next gig to come along. This was something interesting to do. And you know, we we've we we spent some time after the fact saying, God, could we have seen that? Well. You know, I remember this conversation, you know, it, it, oh, sure. In retrospect, you can look at somebody and say, well, yeah, it looked like they were going to leave. Problem right. is, you know, people people play their cards pretty close to their vest and that's okay. I have the philosophy that, you know, if somebody's going to leave, you might want to see if you could get them to stay, but it might be better for them to leave. Yes, you know, yeah. if they're, they're not, if they see that they're not a fit, then then they're not going to be happy. They're not going to be productive. And, you know, so I, I take leaving not as a, as a negative, although sometimes it hurts, you know, to, in terms of what you have to deal with. But, you know, it's just it's just part of the evolution of the company. I say this because I know that others can be really negative about it. And, and, you know, I've seen companies that, you know, they go after people and, you know, they chase them with their non-competes. And that's, you know, yes. to me, that's a bunch of nonsense. You right. know, if somebody's not happy, you're not going to force them to be happy. You, you can't you can't buy happiness. And I'm not going to get into an argument about money and, and all the rest. But if you buy somebody to stay with you, they're going to leave anyway. All the exactly. stats show that. All yeah. the stats show that. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, one of the first, first jobs I had right out of high school, I was working at a design firm and it wasn't really a design firm. It was more decorating. And I was going to school at the time for interior design. So I was more interested in the design aspect as opposed to the decoration. And, you know, I thought I'm going to just try. I'm going to try to stick this through, even though I misunderstood what the job was all about. And I just couldn't do it. You know, it was just too fluffy for what I was interested in. <laughs> and I, I wanted to give my two week notice. So I spoke to Kathy. I said, you know, I just want to give my two week notice. She said, oh, no, actually, you know, today can be your last day. And I was so taken aback. And I'm like, well, I mean, I can stay for two more weeks. And she said, no, because I find that when somebody puts in their notice, they already quit a month ago. Yeah, And I thought, 
okay, so you're on to me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so yeah. true, you know, and um, I, I, my heart was not in it a long time before I gave that notice. Oh, sure. So sure. Why, those last two weeks would have just been a waste of time for me and for, the, for them. So I yep. agree. I think if the person's ready to go, it's just time to, you know, let yeah, them it go. Is, it, it, I mean, that is so true and, and so enlightened on the part of, of your boss, Kathy. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, the, the companies, that they, they force you to work up to the very last day and, and you know, what, what kind of productivity are you getting? Right. You know, yes. it, it, there, there, is some, there is some logic to, you know, particularly in certain industries, financial services, for example, if, if you're, you know, any, anywhere senior in financial services, and you quit, they walk you out the door and pay yeah. you for the two weeks, right. you know, because they know that's the time when things get a little squirrely. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Great advice. Well, can you give me a valuable piece of advice that you learned from your 20 plus years in business? <laughs> a, a valuable piece of advice. Sure. It is, it is something that I've been thinking a lot about. One of, one of the things that I'd, early on in my career, I read a book that was called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. And it talks about networking, early networking. This is way before LinkedIn was even a glimmer in, in anybody's eyes. Yeah. And what I found making the transition from being, you know, sort of at the senior level to, to being the, the C as opposed to the C-suite, you don't have people to talk to anymore because you can't talk to your staff, right? Because you, you know, there's that, you know, you, you don't share your doubts so much that, you know, there's, you know, who do you go to for advice? Who do you go th- to to bounce ideas off of. You can't go to your board because the board wants you to be confident and moving things forward. And so one thing that that I think I would have done differently when I'm uh, before I made this move was to be a little more concerted around developing a network of people to talk to. And you know, sure we have mentors and 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 maybe advisors and these are like-minded people who are doing similar kind of jobs, maybe not even the same industry. So I've I've actually had to develop that over the last year or so and I have done that that sought out groups that have that kind of conversation because it's it all ties in with this idea of building connections and building connectedness and I think this is true at just about any level in the organization because you know if you're thinking about taking a job particularly if you're thinking about quitting you know you can't talk to anybody in the company right it's because you know you don't know who's going to say what to who do you have people who are doing the similar things to you similar level that you could bounce it off of do some pros and cons you know it's great to have a, a spouse or a life partner that you can do that with and they may not be in the same you know, sort of space that you're in, either in terms of job and whatnot. So developing those connections is a critical component to getting you to where you want to get. That's a great tip. It's, it is a little lonely <laughs> when you are yeah. a, a business owner because of, so few of your friends are usually in the business that you're working on. So exactly. like you're saying, who do you go to when you have a complaint, a problem, a question? And yeah, so that makes, that's a beautiful tip. Thank you for that. Yeah, sure. Where can we connect with you? So I'm I'm on all the various channels. So as you might expect, I'm on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. My email is michael at resumesiv.com. So certainly people can uh, reach out to me there. I'm not too hard to find. Perfect. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate you being here today. Sure, Maria. I enjoyed the conversation. Well, there you have it, my friend. Another amazing CEO saving you time with this ingenious product, ResumeSive. I love that Michael's journey is a perfect example that some CEOs are formed by acquired knowledge and through fostering connections. This perfect combination takes time. Be sure to check the show notes to connect with Michael and to take a look at ResumeSive. 
I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job. 